Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, July 1, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we're going to do is assess the daily chart to see if there's any change from the prior day. And the answer is no. They're on a continued grinding melt-up operation leading into a holiday weekend. We talked about this. The market is open again on Friday, but closed Monday, July 5. It's customary and also garden variety market behavior to trade up into a holiday weekend. How do we know this? Because each time there's a holiday weekend, we discuss the same thing. And generally speaking, the majority of the time, that's what happens. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't happen. We use the 80-20 rule, and 80-plus percent of the time, this is what happens. The fact that the market's at new highs just adds fuel to the fire of getting further into no man's land. Yesterday, we talked about the ES contract, the S&P E-mini futures at 4300 They closed today around 4310 Again, it was the same routine. Under normal garden variety conditions, they're going to get to and generally speaking, spike through the big fat round number, 4300 And then there's another big fat round number, which is 430 in the SPY. For some reason, the daily chart that you're looking at now doesn't register in terms of the chart, the 430 and above number. You can see here the bid and the ask in the after hours. And here's an hourly chart, and you can see where the market is, 430.47. So there were two big fat round numbers on the board today, one was ES4300, which corresponded to a lower SPY number. And then there's another one, which is SPY430, which corresponded to a higher ES number. That's just the way the market works. Those were informational things that were found inside the numbers today. From a daily chart perspective, once again, we find ourselves on time. What does that mean? Go back to the course, Lazy E-mini Trader. And there's detailed and comprehensive lessons why time is more important than price and how it all works. The trend is your friend, which is the dominant thing. Friday before a holiday weekend, a three-day holiday weekend, we can't expect the market to just fall out of bed. Even though the market's on time, doesn't really matter when you have the other stuff in terms of the trend is the dominant thing on all time frames and you have the floater melt-up operation intact. These are awareness things, but they're not always created equal. In this case, the other stuff, the new highs, no man's land, the trend, those are all things that dominate the fact that the market's on time. And by the way, if, and it's a big if, we don't, but in a hypothetical, if we had full stack type of stuff going on and the market was on time, That would be a totally different story, but we don't. We look for full stacks. What's a full stack? It's when we have a lot of the things that are taught in the course that all line up together. The market's coming into an important price on time. What makes it an important price? Maybe it's a breakup candle low. Maybe it's a breakdown candle high. Maybe it's a pivot. Maybe it's something else. But it can also be coupled with another something else. Maybe it's a garden variety retracement all at the same time. 
what that does is it increases your confidence level that your time and price are matching up and therefore you have an opportunity on your hands. We don't have that on the daily chart. But I wanted you to see or at least understand the difference between when a chart comes into one of those on-time scenarios just because that's the case if it's not coupled with other things that begin to create a full stack it's not as meaningful and by the way that's also discussed in detail in the course lazy e-mini trader and by the way if you haven't taken the course use the holiday weekend use the three-day weekend to sit down spend a few hours go through the course and begin to gain an understanding of how this whole thing works. You go through it one time, you'll start to scratch your head. Go through it two, three times, and you'll start to pick up information that you didn't even see the first run through. That's just the way the learning process works. The SPY had also very, very light volume today. Again, the daily chart is incorrect in terms of the total volume down here at the bottom. For some reason, some of the activity from today's session is not registering on the daily chart. But the SPY was up about one half of 1%. That's important. Why? Well, there's always a method to the madness. Last night, we brought back the RSP, which is the Equal Weight S&P Index, or Exchange Traded Product, making lower highs. But today, it seems to be up more than the SPY. And the reason that happened is because I discussed it last night as lagging the SPY. So in order to humble me, the market participants said, hey, look at this. He's talking about the RSP. What we're going to do is we're going to send it up more than the SPY today to make him look like a fool. And that's the way the market works. In fact, that's the way the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew works. Their job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. Obviously, that's all tongue-in-cheek. The point is, we're watching the RSP again. If they go on and make a new high, then that whole concept from yesterday is really just off the table. But if they stay beneath the high that was made over here in early June, that's something to keep our eye on. And by the way, Last night, we did not discuss the Dow. I never discussed the Dow. I hardly ever even look at the Dow. But guess what? I'm looking at it now because, again, we have a very similar situation. We have a series of lower highs and a divergence from the SPY. The SPY is a broader index than is the Dow Industrial Average. It's only 30 stocks. Not only that, but it's also price-weighted versus market cap weighted that the SPY is. Same routine. If they make a higher high than what was made around early June, then that concept is off the table. But for now, even though they're above the moving averages, this is something to watch. So I've got it as a puzzle piece. And guess what? It's on the table. What about inside the numbers today? We're working. We're prepared and ready for whatever the market provides but if the market's just going to go to sleep in a chop shop formation, then there's really nothing to do. But we do show up in uniform every day, ready to go. This will be quick. We're going to scroll up, let you read the notes, whatever's there. There's not a lot. It was basically, if they go higher, you got two spots to worry about. 4,300 in the ES, we talked about that. 430 in the SPY, we talked about that. 
They're in float mode, no man's land. There's nothing you can do with that. So what I'm doing is scrolling up. You can read the notes for yourself, go back to the charts, and double check the work. We will circle back to stocks on the move. We'll take a look at those charts as we always do. We always look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. We had three potential opportunities on the board today, DTE, Palantir, and Micron MU. All three hit their price objectives or entry targets. Let's take a look at the charts, go over exactly what happened to use them as learning opportunities. Here's a daily chart of DTE Energy. Now, you have to get a load of this. The stock closed yesterday at 129.60. That was the closing print. This morning, the opening print was 111.30. That's a pretty good haircut. How do you find a number that much underneath yesterday's close where it stops short when it looks just like a falling knife? And the answer is, you have to know your numbers. What else you have to know is, every stock, every market, every chart, whatever it is, price is headed to a destination. If you're able to identify the destination, one of two things is going to happen at that destination. A, they're going to have a reaction in the other direction, or B, they're going to hang around down there for a cup of coffee because they want to go to another destination down south. Now, here's a five-minute chart. It didn't do anything. What it's really telling you is either it wasn't ready to have that reaction in the other direction today, or it's going to have another trip down south for another visit to another destination. Now, it did the deal. It gave us the minimum required base hit, but there was a lot of white space here. I was hoping it would get some kind of a run. I held on, I held on, I held on until I just couldn't hold on anymore. Got a base hit, so be it. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. Know thy numbers. The next one on the list was Palantir. So 2512 was the number up on the board bright and early, but here's the situation. It came in, pulled up a few pennies short, did the minimum required base hit and then some, and then it came down and played around with the number some more. So that number's off the table. Why? For the same reason we discuss all the time. Because when it pulls up short and does the deal, it's not the same trade as it was before at the real number. Or I should say at my number. So this one became a no trade. How about Micron? So there were three numbers on the board for Micron. 8202, 8045, and the last one was down at 79 and change. We didn't need that one, but here's the deal. So the first number, and here's a good example. The first number was wrong. It was what we call in technical terms, incorrect. The second number, the 8045, was the number. It came back to the halfway point. Basically, it was a break even here, and then they floundered for a while, as you can see. So technically, the second number worked. The first number was incorrect. A combination of the two got you break even at best. By the way, for the inside the numbers slash stocks on the move people, Friday morning, we don't know what we're going to expect. I don't think there's any earnings releases happening between Thursday night and Friday morning. Maybe there is, but nothing I could find. We'll see if anything's moving in the morning, but we know leading into a holiday weekend, our expectations are not a lot's going to happen. What's going on over in Camp IWM? And by the way, I think I forgot to mention, tomorrow morning we also have the phony jobs number. So at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 
you'll get some form of kabuki theater happening around the futures market. Whether that has an impact that leads into or bleeds into after the opening bell, we'll see. They usually use that as an opportunity to run some tests of some numbers in the futures market. Sometimes they're the ones that the overnight options traders were waiting on, and then by the time the opening bell happens, the option trader is left holding the bag and the market's going the other way. And if you've ever traded short duration options, weekly options, for example, you're holding overnight, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. It looks like you're going to get paid, and then by the opening bell, you're screwed over with a pie in the face. Frankly, that's the plan for the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew as it relates to weekly options. Back to Camp IWM. Above the 20-period moving average, the trend is your friend until she dumps you. There's nothing wrong with this chart, certainly from a weekly chart perspective. We went over it last night. If they get below moving averages, you raise an eyebrow. Back above, and you just say the trend is your friend until it's not. Right now, this is the weekly trend. That's the dominant thing. And until they give it up and that breakup candle low that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks, until that happens, this is a bullish market. We're the umpire calling balls and strikes, taking the chart at face value. What about the folks down at the transportation department? So they rallied into the 20-period moving average today. It was a nice big up day, up 1.32%, almost 200 points for the transports. So it looks like all systems go. But getting into the 20-period moving average is one thing. Getting above it and closing above this breakdown candle high is something different. We talked about this from several days ago. Riding back up north to run a test of the most recent breakdown area is garden variety market behavior. We said it two or three times already on this particular chart, and that's precisely what they're doing. There are no accidents or coincidences in the market. The reason we talk about it is because they do that thing all the time. Same routine with the financials. We talked about this one too. Up into the convergence of the moving averages. Also, it'll be showtime when they get to the breakdown candle high. And if they can get above the breakdown candle high, that's a whole new cup of soup. Here's another one that we never look at. The KRE, the regional bank exchange traded product. Why does this one look different than the XLF? Are the regional banks weaker than the big money center banks? You can see this one also below the 20-week moving average, putting in one of those bearish, flaggish kind of things. Not enough time to say it's really a formulated pattern yet, but that's what it's beginning to do. If it gets back above the 20-week moving average, again, another different cup of soup. The XLF above the 20-week moving average. Again, the KRE below the 20-week moving average. Just want to see the position of both charts. Sometimes we don't want to get caught watching the wrong thing. That's why I look around the horn. I look at a whole lot of things, only a few of which I go over in these videos, but I'm looking at chart after chart after chart after chart all day long. I'm looking for inconsistencies. I'm looking for divergences. I'm looking for information. This is information. This is more information, the daily chart. If they can't get back above the convergence of these moving averages right here, this pivot high right here, 67.99, then this is going to fall away. Where are they going? Well, once they give up this pivot low here, 63.63, the door opens 
for the 200 period moving average, that'll be a moving target over time. That'll be rising a little bit. Don't we talk about this all the time? Isn't this a move downward and then some kind of a wedge, flaggish kind of thing results in an ensuing move down? We talk about it all the time. So the line in the sand is essentially the pivot high over here. As long as they stay below that and the convergence of these moving averages, then this is trouble. Pop back above, trouble off the table. Just an example of why I watch a lot of different things. You don't want to only watch one thing because you're going to miss stuff. The one thing isn't always going to tell you the story. What about Smash Mouth? Down day today in Smash Mouth, bit of a divergence from everything else. I skipped the cues by accident. When I said divergence, I realized that the cues were flat and the SMH was down. I'm not sure we can make a federal case out of that right now. Why is that? You're back to the SMH. When the market breaks through a former high, like this one here, that means that the market broke out. Doesn't matter what chart it is, could be a 10 minute chart, a 15 minute chart, a 20 minute chart, a weekly chart, it's the same routine. All charts act and react the same way, which is exactly what I teach inside the Lazy E-mini Trader course. It's not about the E-mini, it's not about any one chart in particular. It's about how charts operate. So back to this. So the market breaks out and then it stalls out. So you don't know where it's gonna stall at at a new high, but once it starts to come back, you know what it's doing. What's it doing? It's coming back to retest or test the former breakout area. How do we know that? Because that's what happens all the time. We just talked about it before. Now, if they come back inside that and they can't stay above, like they don't bounce off of it, right? This is normal in a bull market. But when this happens and they come back below it, this becomes a recapture on the downside. That's a bearish move. Again, just another tidbit of the way the market works. And by the way, have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.